I want you to understand this, that there is a race to be run, every single one of you, and run that race to win the prize. It's an imperishable crown that will last forever. And he says, I'm temperate, discipline my life so I can run the race in the best possible shape that I can. So the question that we ask ourselves is, how about me? Welcome to Under the Fig Tree. Under the Fig Tree is a verse-by-verse study taught by Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We are currently studying through the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. Here's Pastor Jeff. Verse 24, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Verse 26, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it to subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now remember, the Corinthians, they felt free, those to eat meat offered to idols. This is the knowledge that we have. We're wise and we're spiritual and, and it doesn't matter with the weaker brother or sister in the Lord. And so they would boast in that knowledge. We've talked about that. They really prided themselves in having knowledge and wisdom. And that was the basis of their liberty to eat meat offered to idols before the weaker brother or sister. And so Paul here, as he's talking to them here, understand it as he uses these words, it must have stung some of them that were really prided in their wisdom and knowledge. He says in verse 24, again, taking a look at that, he says, don't you know? Don't you know? Chapter 10, when we get there next week, he's going to say, I don't want you to be unaware, brethren. In other words, here's what the apostle is saying to these Corinthians that pride it so much in, in their wisdom and knowledge. He says, you don't know as much as you think you do. So Corinthian believers, don't get all smug and and don't get prideful. There are some lessons you need to understand. There are some things that you need to learn. And he says, don't you know, don't you know that, that all of us, we run a race. We all run a race and we receive a prize. Now, this is really important for us to understand what is being said here. Because I think a lot of Christians don't understand this. Paul, first of all, is not talking about salvation here. He is not arguing that that the lost has to work hard in order to reach the goal of winning their salvation. What does he already use those words in verses 15 through 18? He's talking about what? Rewards, isn't he? He's talking about, I receive a reward for doing the gospel willingly and freely, for joy of, of doing what God has called me to do. So he's challenging the Corinthian saints to strive and run to fulfill their calling as saints. So Paul refers to the Christian life as a race. Now, he would use this analogy in other places in the New Testament in his writings, wouldn't he? He would say to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, right before he was put to death, he said, Timothy, my departure is at hand, and I have fought the good fight. I have what? Finished my race. I have kept the faith. Paul, when he was addressing the elders from Ephesus in Acts chapter 20 for the last time, he would say to them, I don't count my life dear to myself that I may finish my race with joy. The author of Hebrews 
which may have been Paul, we don't know for sure, but we read in chapter 12 of Hebrews that as believers that we are to lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, let us run with endurance that race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So, the scriptures, the New Testament, likens our Christian's life as a race. So Paul, here to these Corinthian believers, he's saying, run your race and run to win, to win the prize. Now, many of us watched the Winter Olympics, didn't we, in Vancouver. And it's interesting to watch those events and the Winter Olympics, and we watch them, and, and uh, the athletes that are there, they, they win, they get a medal, gold, silver, or bronze, and we enjoy watching those kinds of things. There are other sporting events maybe that you may enjoy watching. And so as Paul's writing this, the Corinthian believers could relate to what Paul was saying because in Corinth, they had what was known as the Isthmus Games. And those games were known throughout the Roman Empire as one of the greatest sporting events that took place next to the Olympics. The ancient Olympic Games, which occurred in Athens, only 50 miles away from Corinth. So with the Olympics being so close by, the Isthmus Games that took place every two years in Corinth itself, in those games, athletes from all over the empire would come to compete in different events. They would have running events, they would have jumping events, they would have boxing. Paul mentions boxing here. They would have wrestling, weightlifting, chariot races. The competition was fierce and sometimes fatal. And all the athletes wanted one thing, and that was to be the best in the world, to win the coveted Isthmus crown, which they believed was a wreath made out of, I don't know, wild celery or something. <laughs> and it wasn't, you think, what's the big deal about a wreath made out of wild celery? It wasn't just that. There was a lot of benefits in winning a race. The winners received many benefits they, if they won the prize. They would make a statue of that athlete, in the, of the winner, and place it alongside the road that would lead up to the games where they took place. There would be fame that came with it, lifelong exemption from paying taxes and serving in the military. And so the prize that they would include would, would be a lot and, and would be very valuable. So the athletes, what did they do? They trained. They sacrificed. They deprived themselves of anything that kept them from winning that prize. It required training and desire and discipline. And Paul is telling the Corinthians, and he is telling you and me, that you run, you compete, you train as athletes who really want to win. And again, Paul's not talking about salvation here, but about rewards, prizes. You cannot win salvation. A relationship with Jesus Christ is not a competition. It comes through faith in Him and what He has done for you and for me, surrendering your heart to Him. And then as you do, you have a race to run. And Paul understood that we are to run the race of life in order to be useful and pleasing instruments to God, to be used of Him whenever and however He wants to use us. Paul says, run, run to win the prize. There's a prize that is awaiting you. Do you know that? He says, I want you guys to know this. You have a race to run, and it isn't that I'm running against you, and I'm running against you, and I'm running against you. 
And let's see who's going to get the gold medal and the rest of you aren't going to get anything. You're not competing against any other believer. You're competing against life. Those things in life that can cause you to stumble in your race or be tripped up or weighed down. The world against the flesh, the enemy that comes against us. Against bitterness and anger, lust and covetousness. Those things that will seriously hinder our ability to run in this life for Jesus Christ and the things of the kingdom. You're running your own race. You have a race to run. And it's a different race than my race. Paul said, I am determined to finish my race to those Ephesian elders. It's my race to run. And sooner or later, every single one of us has to ask the question, Lord, what is the race that I'm to run? Sometimes as believers, we can get focused on other people's races. Hey, I wish I had their life. I wish I had their ministry, but God has a race for you personally in which you are to run. The question is, Lord, what is it? What is it, my race? What is it that you would have me to do? As I serve you, as I prioritize the kingdom, what is my race? And whatever it might be, Lord, to help me to finish my race with joy, you see, in a race, it's not how you start out, is it? That's good. But it's how you finish. And we see individuals in the scripture that they started their race as well, strong, looking good. But they ended up finishing poorly and tragically. I think a good example of that is what we're going to see in a few weeks on Wednesday night, Samson. Samson who judged Israel for 20 years during the days of the judges. He had supernatural strength that came from the Lord. Most of us, we know his story, don't we? He toyed around with sin until he laid his head on the lap of Delilah and said, cut my hair. That's where my strength is at. She cut his hair. And when he was sleeping, she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he thought he could wake up and break those bonds like he did before and Take care of the Philistines, but one of the saddest verses in all of the Old Testament says that the Spirit of the Lord was no longer upon Samson. And he ended up being taken, and his eyes were plucked out, and he was put into the prison house and changed. His strength wasn't in his hair. It was in the Lord. And when you and I play around and flirt with sin, it will cause us to fall in a race, to be injured, to be disqualified oftentimes. Don't play around with sin. And if there is anyone that is here this morning and you're involved in something that you know is wrong and it needs to go, it needs to be repented of, repent of it. Turn to the Lord. Let it go. But don't be weighed down. Don't be disqualified. Don't be sidetracked from doing all that the Lord wants you to do and to be. I can't help but think about Saul. The people came to Samuel the prophet And said, we want a king. So the Lord told Samuel to anoint Saul as the first king of Israel. He was head and shoulders above everyone else. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. He was one that showed even humility. He had hid, hid himself when Samuel was to present him before the nation. He was one that was brave. He seemed to have it together. Saul really had some gifts and the ability to lead the nation to become a great king. He started out well. He's running his race strong. But then he began to become distracted. 
He began to stumble. He tried to make and take matters into his own hands. He didn't wait on the Lord. He would panic when things weren't going good. I believe his life began to be filled with fear. In that familiar story of David and Goliath, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, that when Goliath would come out in the mornings and in the evenings for 40 days challenging anyone to come and fight him from the children of Israel, he issued that challenge, come out and fight. And it says that Saul and all of Israel were greatly afraid of him. I mean, the guy was nine feet tall. And I think that the scripture specifically named Saul because he would be the obvious choice to go and fight Goliath. He was the king. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was brave as he had fought against the Ammonites before that. And so he was one that the people were looking at. Saul, what about you? But he was full of fear. And you see, that's what happens when we start doing things out of our own flesh and strength and togetherness. When we face the Goliaths of our lives, we crumble and we fold instead of being empowered by the Spirit of God. We end up being full of fear. And the Scripture says, as Christians, He hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. Saul became disobedient. He became full of envy and jealousy and bitterness towards David. And Saul died in a tragic way in which he didn't have to. A bitter, hard man. He didn't finish well. And as we race against these things, against sin, against fear, against bitterness and envy, against all kinds of things that will slow us down and trip us up, if we are not careful, we are to get rid of those things and turn to the Lord and depend on Him and trust in Him. You say, okay, Pastor Jeff, so how do I run? How is it that I run so I can be all that the Lord wants me to be, the win, the prize, the crown, the rewards that the Lord wants me to have and has for me? Well, as we talked about, get rid of those things that would be not pleasing to the Lord, not living after the Lord. But Paul says something very important for us. Verse 25, I draw attention to that again. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. So what does that mean? It means, as you look at that word in your concordance, it means discipline. In other words, the athletes that were watching in the Olympics this last winter, they devoted themselves to discipline, to self-control, didn't they? To get ready for that event that they were participating in. And the athletes that we see, they have trained for thousands of hours, for many months and weeks, even years, and they're not coming into the games out of shape, unprepared, and, and not wearing the right equipment. Of course not. And in that period of training that they go through, it involves that self-control and discipline. It's all part of the proper training. And for the Christian, our lives are to be related to self-control. Isn't that the fruit of the Spirit? To be disciplined. That's where the word disciple, we get from disciplined one. And the key to the victorious Christian life, the, to enter into the fullness of the blessing that God has for us, is to be led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, so we can live Christ-like. So the athlete would put a lot of energy and time and effort, we know that, exercise and training, watching their diet. They're living very carefully, disciplined lives in order that they might win their event to get a prize, a crown that is perishable. So how much more, how much more should you and I as Christians be temperate, disciplined, to gain that incorruptible crown of glory that God has promised to His faithful servants? It's a heavenly reward that will never, 
pass away. Sometimes Christians will say to me, well, you know what, Pastor Jeff, I don't really care about crowns. I don't really care about rewards. It doesn't really interest me. I'll tell you, when you get to heaven, it will matter. And you will care. You will care. That's why the scriptures talks a whole lot about it. About rewards and crowns and running to win. Jesus talked a whole lot about it as well. Because you see, Jesus had been to heaven. He created heaven. (laughs) He knew all about heaven, didn't he? He knew what heaven was like. And when Jesus was on this earth, you ever notice that he was never really impressed with the things of the world? He didn't give it priority. Because he knew what heaven was like. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 14 on his first missionary journey, when he's outside of Lystra, he was stoned and left for dead. And I believe at that time that Paul did die at that point. So Paul in 2 Corinthians, 15 years later after he was stoned and left for dead, he writes about how I know one who ascended to the third heaven. He's talking about himself. And then he gets personal. He says, I saw things that would be unlawful for me to utter. And I think that when he was stoned, perhaps at that time, where he was taken to heaven and then he would come back, I saw things that were unlawful for me to to speak about. And he rose up and he would be more determined to serve the Lord and work for the furtherance of the gospel. And there was only one thing that mattered to him, to run the race, to win the prize, because he had been to heaven and he lived for heaven. And Jesus, who had been to heaven, spent a long time there before he came to this earth, like eternity, not impressed or enamored with money or the things of this world. So he could say to those guys in that upper room right before he went to the cross, when they were blue and discouraged and troubled in their hearts, he would say, don't you be troubled in your heart. You believe in God, believe also in me, because in my Father's house are many mansions, and I go and prepare a place for you, that where I am you may be also. Heaven, listen, it's a reality. And Paul here, in this marvelous truth that he's proclaiming in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he's not just talking about theology. It's not just a devotional thought for today. This is reality. That he says to them, I want you to understand this. I want you to understand this, that there is a race to be run, every single one of you, and run that race to win the prize. It's an imperishable crown that will last forever. And he says, I'm temperate, disciplined my life so I can run the race in the best possible shape that I can. So the question that we ask ourselves is, how about me? Lord, how about me? Am I getting up in the mornings and, and reading the Word of God? Am I having devotions? And you're not doing it so God will love you more. You're not doing it in order to get saved. But, Lord, I know that as I do that, it's going to benefit me. And I'm going to know you more, and it's going to cause me to love you more. Are you in the Word, or is it just not a priority any longer? Are you a man or woman of prayer? Is it a priority to be with other believers? Are you willing to give up your personal freedoms and liberties for love and the sake of other brothers and sisters? Are you, am I, putting aside the things that can cause us to stumble, whatever that might mean for us personally? 
Is it a priority the kingdom of God? Or are we so focused on the world and making priority the things of the world? Paul says in verse 26, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, that is, with no care. Not just, oh well, I hope I finish, you know, and it really doesn't matter and prizes really don't mean anything to me. No. He says, I am running with the intention of winning. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air like a shadow boxer, but I'm focused. And Paul says at the end of the chapter, but I discipline my body, bring it to subjection, lest when I have preached to others that I myself should become disqualified. I've heard guys that use this to say, Losing your salvation. He's not talking about salvation. He has made it very clear he's talking about rewards. What is he saying here? Now, others have taken this to say throughout church history. You can read about Martin Luther and some of the other church leaders that if they had an unpure thought or something, they would discipline their body. They'd whip their bodies or do something like that. It's not what Paul is saying. What is he saying? He says, I discipline my body. He was making sure that he was not ruled by the flesh, his fleshly desires. He wasn't going to let it rule over his life. He was going to be led by the Spirit of God. I bring my body under subjection. That, that is, I don't let those fleshly desires rise up and dominate me. My desire is the Lord. My desire is to serve the Lord. It's greater than any desire for the flesh. But I have to live a disciplined spiritual life. I have to keep my priority to the Lord and let Him lead me by the Spirit in my life. I need to die to self and read the Word and look to Him. And allow him to give me the strength and ability to finish my race. But if I let my flesh dominate, then I'm going to stumble and I'm going to get tired and I'm going to get frustrated and I'm going to get sidetracked and I can become disqualified. Now, we've seen people in different events in the Olympics, they became disqualified for various reasons. Maybe because they found drugs in their system or they stepped on another runner, whatever it might be. They didn't get the medal. So Paul here not talking about loss of salvation. He's talking about loss of rewards. And I know that in my life, I don't want to be disqualified. We run a race against the flesh, the world against Satan, trying to trip us up, the flesh rearing its ugly head. The world has so many things that I can get distracted and sidetracked by. Satan comes along and tries to deceive. And I know that any one of those things can lead me into sin to where I end up being disqualified. I don't want to put myself on a shelf. I don't want to be shelved today because of those things, especially in the day in which we're living. Especially in the day in which we're living. I want to keep running. I want to keep running my race. And I know that if any of you have run a race, there are times in that race, if you're running a 5K or 10K, where you just feel like you want to stop where you're st really starting to feel it and stuff. But there's something in a runner that will keep them going. And usually it comes by because they were disciplined, because they were training, because they were prepared for that time when it starts to get hard and difficult so they can finish that race. Folks, listen. If there are things in your life, and we're going to end here, that are not pleasing to God or so worldly, get rid of it. There's so much in the church today about how close can we get to the world or act like the world or whatever it might be. No, Lord, I want to draw close to you. And the Lord has a race for you to run. And right now, it may be just praying for people. 
It may be raising your children in the ways of the Lord. It may be providing for your family, whatever it may be. But Lord, I want to live a life that is pleasing to you. And I want to keep focused on you, Lord. I don't want to get distracted by sin or the world or be deceived by the enemy. Keep looking to you. Run your race because there's rewards in an imperishable crown that will last for all eternity. And my desire is to hear those words when I do go home because all of us will go home that name the name of Jesus, and we will stand before our Lord. And as Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, then all of our works will be tried by fire. And he would say that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10, we'll receive a reward there at the Bema reward seat of Jesus Christ. I want to hear those words, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. And as a pastor, it's my desire to hear the Lord say those words to you. Run your race. Run your race. You have a race. The Lord wants to use you in ways that He isn't going to use anybody else. You run your race to win the prize. Let's do it, all right? Thank you for joining us on Under the Fig Tree. If you would like a copy of today's study, please call us and ask for the message with today's date. Our phone number is 970-330-1717. That number again, 970-330-1717. If you prefer, you can write us at 2602 West 27th Street, Greeley, Colorado, 80634. You can also visit us online at ccgreeley.com. Under the Fig Tree is brought to you by Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We invite you to join with us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. and our Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Please join with us next time as we continue to study the Bible together on Under the Fig Tree.